Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first uh, School Psych podcast slash Twitter chat. So we're really excited to see how this is going to play out. I'm a little bit nervous, but we're going to be doing um, a Twitter chat concurrently with us talking to you. Um, and so we're going to be doing a lot of multitasking, and we're going to walk you through it. If you're not super familiar with Twitter, we'd love for you to still to try and join us because um, we're kind of learning a little bit on our end as well. But we've got some experts here tonight, so mm -hmm. we're really excited for um, our lineup with some really um, savvy social media school psychs. So we'll be talking social media and the impact on school psychology and professional development and that whole that whole big thing. But my name is Rachel. Um, I'm going to be tweeting out an intro <laughs> on my um, about myself too on Twitter. Twitter, welcoming everybody to the chat. Um, but I'm a school psych and I'm working in Maryland. I'm going to turn it over to Rebecca now. Rebecca? Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca. I'm a school psych working in the state of Connecticut. And tonight's participation can happen in so many different ways. So I'm going to tell you uh, briefly how to participate, but feel free to um, ask questions as we go along. If you're, if you're not sure and you want to comment, you can comment on um, Facebook using the hashtag school, uh, Psyched Podcast. And you can comment on School Psyched, your school psychologist, or the School Psyched Podcast page. I'll be looking for notifications. You can comment in messages or write on the page. You can also comment directly um, on Twitter. We're hoping that you will be join us in our Twitter chat using the hashtag Psyched Podcast and look for our Q. Um, a format. So we're going to uh, tweet out a, Q, a question one, which will say Q1, and then you respond with A1. And we'll continue like that. We're hoping to hear from you on Twitter. And you can also comment right along if you're watching us live on YouTube, comment right alongside the video, and we'll be looking for you there as well. We're really excited to um, introduce our guest. But first, Anna is going to tell you a little bit about our poll and introduce herself. Hi guys, I'm Anna. I'm a school psych working in upstate New York. Um, we had a poll on Facebook that got shared across a few different pages, um, finding out about what you do with social media and how you use it to increase your school psych knowledge and resources. And wow, we got a lot of responses. Now, there's a little bit of bias because it was shared on Facebook. Um, so it's not a huge surprise that Facebook was above and beyond the winner. We had over 300 votes of people that follow school psych Facebook groups, pages, communities for resources and to connect with others. So that is a very common practice and there's a lot of cool pages out there. Um, the second place vote was 161 votes. People find resources on Pinterest, which I can relate to as well. We had 150 votes for people that um, follow school psychs and other professionals, like school counselors, social workers, teachy speechy administrators, etc. Um, we had 50 votes for people who find resources on YouTube. 35 votes, people follow school psych-related Twitter accounts. Um, 31 votes, people connect electronically through NAS. And at 30 votes, people watch school psych podcast. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and then um, uh, 21 votes for Instagram. And I tried to, I signed up for Instagram and tried to figure it out today. It didn't work. Well, I couldn't figure it out. But that's awesome that it exists on there. I, I learned that um, today. And um, um, just two votes for people who don't use social media, which is funny because like I had to vote on social media. I just love it. <laughs> so so thank you to everyone out there who participated in our poll. And it's so great that we have these resources that really I don't think existed back when I was in grad school. So it's awesome. So I want to introduce our first guest, Dr. Stephen Shaw. Um, he's an associate professor in the Department of Educational Counseling Psychology at Educational and Counseling Psychology at McGill University in Montreal. He's the graduate program director of the School Applied Child Psychology program. He earned a PhD in school psychology at the University of Florida. He was a school psych for 17 years, um, and he's done a lot of great research, and he also is way better at Twitter than me. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Um, would you um, mind giving us a brief, brief background of how you got involved in social media? Uh, yes, I'm not particularly good at it. I've, I've, um, I developed a Twitter account mostly to communicate with my students because as a professor, I have a lab with students. And in the summer, everybody scatters. And so this was a way to communicate. Well, I realized it wasn't a particularly good way. And also, I got a lot of other people following our lab discussions. So um, now that my lab, we've replaced my lab communication with Slack, which is really for projects. And that's been wonderful. But what I found is that I had a lot of people following me on Twitter. 
And so um, it's been a wonderful place to communicate to professors around the world, experts in everything from genetics to medicine, uh, educational psychologists in Australia. It's, it's wonderful to see that. And so I've stuck with it. And people still, uh, I, I stopped tweeting about coffee because I do that every day. But when I stop, people complain. They wanted more coffee tweets. So now I feel like I have to do it. And uh, But really, right now, it's mostly for university professors um, and graduate students and postdocs talking about developing a research career. That's really the majority of people who are who are on there. And it's much bigger in Europe, especially England, than it is in the US. So there's an awful lot of folks doing it. And um, I also turned this into a, um, a blog that I have, which is called How Not to Suck in Graduate School. Mm -hmm. um, and so that one, uh, I'm surprised how many people read that, but it's a lot, it's a lot of fun about tips to uh, survive being a graduate school or a new professor. So it's kind of gone that way and a little bit away from practice, which sort of surprised me. Um, Dan Florell and I put together a Facebook page called School Psychology Forum because I was the editor of that journal. And we realized that even though there must be 5,000, 6,000 people on there, no one had any idea it had anything to do with the journal. Now they just discuss school psychology issues in general. We were going to close it down when my editorship ended, but there's so many people using it in such a productive way, we just figured we would keep it. So uh, so a lot of things, as you can tell, are kind of happening by accident, and I think that's really how I've got involved in social media, especially Twitter. I still don't know much about it, but uh, accidentally I've learned a lot. Very cool. I know that um, I, I appreciate uh, the humor that you share on the Twitter account. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> uh, so I'm going to introduce our next guest, who is the face behind the Facebook page, uh, Sincerely School Psychologist. So we're, we're super happy to, to get her out um, and interact with her. Um, but Sincerely School Psychologist, known as Sue, to her real-life friends, has been practicing school psychology for 13 years in four different school districts in the West. She has a master's and specialist uh, degrees from the University of Nebraska and the University of Arizona. And um, someday she'll finish the, the blasted dissertation. <laughs> I think a lot of us end up in that mode where almost, but not quite there. Um, Sue has four fantastic children of her own, ranging from 10 to 20. Um, she started the Sincerely page in 2013 and enjoys um, collating the input, advice, and resources from colleagues around the country. Welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is going to be fun. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what got you started and what your motivations are? Sure, yeah. Well, you know, four or five years ago, I was working in a small district with, you know, very few other psychologists. And Every once in a while, I'd share silly stories or generic frustrations on my own personal Facebook page, um, where I was friends with kind of a wider circle of psychologists. And those exchanges were really therapeutic for me um, because it was a very difficult year. And I learned that I wasn't the only one struggling with specific situations, you know, difficulties getting behavior rating skills back from teachers or administrators who don't really understand special education law or feeling like you're the only champion for some of the kids that we work with. Um, those were all things that were very common in this profession that you forget when you're isolated. So I thought a public Facebook page might be a good place to let others know they weren't so alone. And that's how the Sincerely page was born. Very cool. Exciting. I, I definitely enjoy uh, the humor, too. I, I love the humor and the, <laughs> the collaboration. So. Thanks. Definitely. I was so excited. I think it was in right before internship, maybe in my practicum, where I just happened to be on Facebook searching school psychologists and found your page. And it, I was so excited that there was someone out there that would talk about the fields and just everyday things and make it fun. It, you, you are an inspiration to me. <laughs> that is so flattering. Thank you so much. Ditto. And we have our other awesome rock star guest, Clem. Clem is the NAS social media guru and so much more. Welcome, Clem. Could you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, so my name is Clem Colston. As uh, Rebecca shared, I'm with NAS and I work on our social media uh, venues. But I also want to talk about how I actually got involved with uh, Twitter in, in general. So it was about a couple of years ago, I was um, on a Facebook group talking about student voice, the importance of having student 
voice in the classroom and you know being part of the educational decisions of not just tomorrow but of today and someone's like hey join this twitter chat and this was i think about four years ago i was like i've never heard of a twitter chat why should i join and he's like oh it's a great way in order to connect with people who are interested in what you what you like you can also understand what are the other perspectives of other people so i joined this chat out of nowhere and i was like instantly hooked um person and from that we were able to co-create an organization and uh, yeah I'm also really embedded with um, communication so again it's a really about finding ways to meet people where they are and then moving forward so I'm really excited to talk about the different ways about Twitter chats and social media and learn with this uh, great group of people so Thank you so much. I'm going to jump in. And Rebecca, you uh, need to introduce yourself, too, because you have a bit of a social media presence with your Facebook page. Yes. Well, my Facebook page, School Psyched, your school psychologist, was inspired by Sue's page. Um, and there, uh, at the time, was one other school psychologist that I found, um, and her name originally was Burgeoning School Psychologist, and now she's Evolving School Psychologist. So she's also been an inspiration to me. I just, one night came home and thought, let me start a page where I can collect all the cool things that other people are sharing and share them out. And um, I just literally started it um, with like 10 of my friends that thought that <laughs> maybe they might be interested in some of the things I had to say. And uh, then it just grew. It grew. And I'm not really even sure how, but I, oh, actually, I do remember. I reached out to Rebecca uh, Brainsetter, who also had a page, um, her page was really, really uh, popular, and she had written a book. And um, I reached out to her and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm starting a new page, and I just wanted to let you know, and you know, thank you uh, for your page. I really enjoy it." And she shared my Facebook page, so I got a few people that way, and it just grew and grew. Um, and then I met Rachel, and I think we've told that story before. I met Rachel through my page, and she said, "I have this idea. My friend Anna and I." We're thinking about doing um, these other things, and it's just been such a great experience for me because as a still an early career person, I learn so much. I get There's so much benefit in being connected to um, other professionals and uh, sharing resources or ideas or inspiration. I just think it's wonderful. So I'm really excited about this social media episode and to have all of you on because you're all such inspirations to so many of us. And I think some of us are more quiet about um, saying that to you. But I know, uh, you know, I get some messages all the time from other people that say they're so glad to have found our little niche of people. <laughs> um, so... Clem, do you want to walk us through um, our first question and how people do this Twitter thing? Yeah. <laughs> so Rebecca talked a little bit about it earlier. So um, also with our introductions, one thing um, is everyone on this uh, panel right now, virtual panel, has a Twitter handle. So a Twitter handle starts with the at symbol. So mine is at ClementC26. And I think what um, if you go to Twitter.com and go into the search bar, what you would do is first type in the hashtag that we're using right now. So we are using the hashtag, also known as the pound sign, or Justin Weaver does this, I've been told. And yeah. if you type in Psych Ed Podcast, all in one, um, and click search, what you'll be able to see is the conversation that's going on. So everyone already in this, in this group have introduced themselves, and we actually had other people who um, have also shared uh, introductions and looking forward to this conversation. So what we're going to be doing today is um, having an organic conversation, not just amongst us as the group right now that are on this virtual video conference, but we're also going to be extending it to the Twitter reel as well as through um, YouTube Live. So we're going to be posing questions. So the first question will come up shortly. Now be a Q1, and we'll um, share that question. And then what we really hope is that, that um, folks who are watching this will do is respond um, virtually with their responses. So you would do A1 and then you would list response. But the magic key is always including the hashtag because the hashtag is like the glue of Twitter. If I'm interested in school climate, I can do a simple uh, search on Twitter with that hashtag and I'll be able to see all the conversations that are happening around the world that are including school climate. So 
with that said, and I also want to uh, open up with this group to make sure I uh, caught everything that needs to be discussed for Twitter chat. Is there anything that I might have missed, my friends? Or Sounds good. I think that sounds good. Okay, perfect. So the first question is who are your favorite school psychs on Twitter? And then it's going to be the hashtag uh, school psych. So I'm going to put that out right now. Let's see. So what about some folks on this group right now and who are virtual? What are some of your favorite people? And it could also be through other venues as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, my, my response is um, I'm sort of still new to Twitter, but I have been discovering more and more school sites out there and people in related fields that also share some wonderful inspiration and resources and ideas like school social workers, school counselors, administrators, and teachers. And to know, to I, I think a good way to find um, good people to follow is, for example, to go um, to my Twitter page, and then I, you can click on... Um, who I follow, and then you can kind of go through. You can click on each person. You can see what their their Twitter feed is like. That's how I found a lot of people to follow um, that 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 I like. And then I remember Clem also um, once gave me advice that if you follow someone and then you discover like they they may be sharing things like that just like about their dog or whatever that you're not in, and you can eventually you can unfollow them also just to, so that your news feed. Your Twitter feed is kind of the way you'd like it to be. Very How does cool. it, who does everyone else follow? Um, so I tweeted out, and I'm hoping that everybody following can see this now. Um, but obviously, our awesome guests, I follow you all. <laughs> but um, I just I love this like forum. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And then I linked, um, you know, linked some people who I tend to follow. Um, Dr. Kelly. Uh, who's been on the podcast before is active on Twitter and he posts some great stuff. Uh, I've got a very cool Twitter friend, um, social worker who posts some cool stuff. So I just linked um, some of those people. And I also linked um, Dr. Johnson, who has been on as well and is kind of this behavior um, guru. So I, I go to her for behavior advice for sure. <laughs> but yeah, very cool. I'm trying to find if anybody else has been tweeting. I'm looking for you guys out there. So, <laughs> um, we had an interesting viewer question that I think we're going to touch upon a little bit later in one in our on Twitter chat as well. But she's wondering what our opinion is about a school psychologist having their own Twitter oriented uh, Twitter um, page oriented towards their school. And my initial thought is, I know a lot of school administrators and teachers that have um, a Twitter feed that's uh, designated for cool things happening in their buildings or uh, promoting, you know, special events or sharing successes. And I find it inspirational. I think the, you know, to keep in mind. Um, professionalism and, and privacy and confidentiality is really important. But but I like that. I follow my own kids' uh, principal. I follow some of their teachers that, you know, have suggested that parents follow. Uh, I think it's it's really fun. It's a good way to, to stay connected. What do you guys think? Well, I think that uh, as long as it's okay with your, with your, your school administrator, I find... I still find that a lot of people are very wary of social media and sometimes people don't understand it particularly well and you don't want to blindside a principal who might get all sorts of questions from parents and if they're unaware of what's going on it could create a problem but I really think it's a great idea to share the successes and the uh, the ideas that are happening at your school. Very cool. Um, I had a colleague who, um, so I graduated with the elementary teacher education um, major, and my friend is currently in the field right now, Michelle, and she's teaching a third grade, and the whole third grade actually is using a particular hashtag, and what they're doing is they're um, all in different parts of the book, but they're able to share the reflections and the questions, and when they're in um, computer lab, that's when they actually have their live Twitter chats per se. So they've now been able to talk about digital citizenship. So they're discussing like what are ways to be responsible as well as ways to, um, that it can be used for really uh, purposeful things as well. 
So that's so cool. My um, my kids' teacher or the school uses this app called Bloom, where they post like pictures of your kids and messages, and you get it through this app. So it's it's so great that schools are using that stuff. Next. Yeah, my schools, um, one of my schools is big into Class Dojo, and that's how they communicate with parents, and just that electronic, um, you know, parents, I think, appreciate that. It's it's easy, it's quick, it's at their fingertips, so I feel like they would, you know, social media is kind of the next step from that. I mean, it kind of just lends itself. That one's great, because you can see, like, how much positive and negative reinforcement your child gets, like, if the teacher is actually using it. Um <laughs> I wish that I had uh, access to that. That's so cool. I have a colleague who um, is on Facebook, but will not be friends with any coworkers on Facebook until they retire. So like that's yeah. the professional boundary is that she, even though like we're friends and like I've been to her house, you know what I mean? She will not be my Facebook friend until she retires or I re leave. So like, it's so interesting. Some people have like such very strict boundaries on what they will do and how they will interact and other people have, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. My, my, I do that with my personal page. You know, on my personal page that just has my name on it, I, you know, share photos of my kids or whatever. And But I don't um, add any colleagues, parents, or students to that page. Uh, but I, I, you know, I do um, invite anybody to follow uh, the school psych, your school psychologist page. And I keep that um, as little about me personally as possible. Although, you know, sometimes of course my opinion is interjected in there a little bit. And, uh, certainly in the comments, a lot of conversations happen under things that I share. So, um, that's where I let more of my personality and my opinion show. But, um, I understand that point of view. What does everybody else think about, um, that professional personal distinction? How do you keep it or do you? I'm not friends with students. I've rejected some student requests over the years, that's for sure. Um, but, like, I am friends with teachers and other, like, staff that I work with. What about you, Rach? Um, yeah, I, I tend to, I mean, I'm very careful with anything that I post. You know, I wouldn't post anything that I feel like could be controversial or anything. I, I, and I think that we teach our students too to be just very aware that anytime you put anything on the internet is potentially there forever. Um, so I'm okay with, you know, being friends with people and using social media and, and being kind of out in that world and, um, you know, owning up to that, um, but just being cautious with and professional always. Mm -hmm. But I know that, Sue, um, you've been a little bit incognito on your Facebook group, and I wasn't even sure if you would agree to come on here because I've never seen you kind of identify yourself on Facebook. But how do, how do you feel? Well, and I haven't just because for some of the same reasons that Rebecca mentioned before. You know, I want to keep that um, separate from who I really am. Um, on my personal Facebook page, I've friended, you know, people that I'm colleagues that I'm actually friends with in real life. But if I'm not friends with them, I won't friend them on Facebook because I do share opinions on my personal page. And, you know, if you follow the Sincerely page, I'm a little bit opinionated there as well. But mm -hmm. because my name's not associated with it, I think I feel like I have a little bit more freedom to share some of those things, um, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. And also, um, it's a very interesting question. I had a couple of colleagues ask me that as well. And I think kind of with the generation and I, that I kind of grew up with is that we have Facebook and LinkedIn. And from a young professional standpoint, I see Facebook. LinkedIn is more of like an upgraded resume where you can put on your accomplishments, but it's something that is not um, dynamic. Like I know recently they put a push on people publishing um, updates and feeds and stuff, but I would really use my Facebook account actually as the way that talks about who I am. And I'm just like Rachel, I really don't post anything that could be controversial. Like a lot of people, um, I like, I'll post updates for conferences, life reflections. Sometimes I'll do the occasional food picture because I think we all know that we have our favorite food cravings at times. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it, for me personally, it's more of people can see the whole picture of time versus LinkedIn. For me, it's just more of like just the professionals and the accomplishments and, and stuff. So that's, that's how I see it. But what about? 
Sorry. I'm, uh, question, um, NASP, does NASP have any um, particular thoughts on social media? Do they just kind of let you do your own thing, Clem, or are there so, it's definitely a collaborative effort. So I am um, in the manager of communications, so I work directly um, with my boss, Kathy Cohen, um, who is the director of communications. And also, we do a lot of collaborations with other departments, so with the public policy area, as well as um, the marketing, as well as um, a lot of people also talk about Nas Gumby. He is our unofficial mascot. Um, so you may see some pictures um, regarding Gumby and how he reminds us about you know what school psychologists are and what do um, they do and such. But really, it's a kind of that collaborative effort, and we identify the content that we want to share. So based on different news articles that come out, as well as um, time-sensitive uh, resources. And then the other part I also wanted, like, kind of focus on, also showing the uh, the human part. So we'll post one of those things. Of, I think on Friday we mentioned something about um, uh, stay calm. The end of the school year is coming. Mm -hmm. Those those types of things too. That sometimes because again, those types of venues are really opportunities to engage with people in conversation, not just disseminating information, but really what are ways we can connect with our um, members and those who are interested in the profession and such. So. Kind of a long answer today. I hope um, that helps. But again, it's just really identifying where people are, how we can meet the need, and then we work together. Action. All right. I am noticing on Twitter we do have a couple of tweets um, out there. So it's really exciting. I want to give a shout out to Stuck on Social Work and Kristen Johnson is there. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> um, so do we want to go into question two? Do we feel like we've, we've covered question one? Take it away, Steve. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think we have sound. Shoot, we can't hear you. There we go. I'm back. Oh, okay. I, I turned it off because my dog barked. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, question one is still there. So um, people on Twitter can answer that later and can always get answers. But for question two is what are some examples of professional development that have been gained or learned about through social media? And to me, this is one of the real exciting, um, real exciting areas, which is People post links. Rebecca's really good at this. Rebecca posts a lot of interesting links to articles, uh, things in the news, school activities. Dan Florell's another one at uh, School Psych Tech, I think is Dan. Um, he does a lot of really good stuff. Some of it he produces himself, uh, doing talks about new ideas and, and, uh, and things that he has learned. So it is a wonderful place. And the other is to use hashtags. For example, hashtag PBIS is a great place to get positive behavioral supports. Or MTSS is a wonderful place to get, uh, you know, use that hashtag and you'll have a bunch of people interested in these topics. So you really, it's really interesting to see what other people are doing out there because I know when you work in a school board, you get used to your way of doing things. And it is absolutely wonderful just to see how people are doing it, you know, in other school boards and other states and other countries. Um, and it really does expand you. The other thing for me, because one of the things people forget about being a college professor, since it's been so long since I've been in practice now, is you get stale. And that sometimes my practice is, you know, 11 years old. So it's really wonderful to, to keep track of how dynamic our field is. That's one of the real exciting things. And so I can try to keep up as fast as I can with all the changes that are happening, not from researchers, but from the ground up. So it's really exciting to, uh, to see that. And I get that from... Uh, from Facebook with the School Psychology Forum or School Psych Forum, and I get that from Twitter just by following, uh, you know, several really good people. So let's see if we have any. Yeah, we're, we're keeping eyes open. We have Dr. Matt Burns on Twitter. Shout out to Dr. Matt. Thank you so much. He's another um, school psych uh, rock star out there, a person to follow. I'm going to tweet out. I'm going to share his um, 
tweet out his uh, ha his handle. <laughs> also, I'm just learning the words. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this Twitter is like another language. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty new to this, so I don't know, Anna. You're um, you're even more of a Twitter newbie than I am. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on some of this? <laughs> I'm like what I've gained from social media. Uh, I. I have I have gained connection, I would say. Um, it's really nice to be able to go on different pages and search for things and, and learn more broadly about what people are doing because I, I get stuck in my like little special ed world. Um, but also, um, what is the, the, we haven't mentioned it yet, the Said No School Psychologist Ever group. That one's like a private group of the school psychs. So that one is like a little bit like, um, I guess it's not professional development I gain, but I gain like a little release because people are kind of venting on there yeah. <laughs> and, and like, you know, complaining about some of the very unusual situations that like only a school site could relate to. So I just love that. Mm -hmm. I've heard about that group. I have not joined and I've been a little bit cautious because I do want to also, I mean, my Facebook, at least, I do have, it's mostly my, my friends and people that I know. And I was like, I don't want my Facebook to be too bombarded with, like, all this school psych stuff. So I have limited myself. But I have been curious about that group. So maybe I'll give it a little look-see at some point. <laughs> I've had to hide the school psychology forum. And I only go on there, like, when I'm looking for something because it is too much. And it, like, there's so many discussions on there that like can get a little heated and you know, just you might want to correct someone or, you know what I mean? Like it just puts you in like a, an awkward situation to like kind of be on the spot consulting almost, or, you know, that one can be a bit much for me at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, it definitely requires a little time management. I'm even noticing, you know, um, more and more, as more and more people are commenting and contributing to a discussion on my Facebook page, I don't have the uh, always have the time that I want to to um, you know respond. So, but the good news is that other people do a really nice job of having conversations amongst themselves, and so um, sometimes all I do as moderator is make sure that there's like no swearing, uh, you know, uh, nothing really harmful going on in the comments, but, um, I don't always have, um, the opportunity to participate like I would like, but I try to make the time when I can. And I think that's the other thing about social media is that it's always there opportunity and it's also when it's embedded within your everyday life you're able to then engage in it so it's not something that is only available from nine to five or the one one caveat to that is just as long as you have internet access um, so but once you have that down you're good to go um you know you're just sitting at the coffee shop you're about to go into a meeting just kind of checking to see what's going on and i would say another part of this whole uh, professional development conversation is ways that social media is used at conferences I think that's another big thing, too. Uh, recently at the NASP annual convention, we um, used NASP 2017 as our hashtag, which during that week, we were able to get 3,000 tweets, um, you, which encompassed that particular hashtag. And we had to reach almost um, 2 million folks from that. So again, it's really about identifying ways that during sessions, people were able to share their aha moments, their questions, the resources. And especially during those times when there's two great sessions at the same exact time, you're like, oh, I really want to go to that one. But, you saw, but I was able to see kind of the highlights and notes in social media. And even to the point where you can be in the common area, be like, hey, love to connect more about the session. How was it? So another kind of component that uh, conferences are really starting to utilize. I think it's great. I think it's great, too. I, have, I haven't been to a, um, a NASP conference, and I love the tweeting and the sharing because I get to have a sense of uh, what people are learning and talking about, and it, it's wonderful. It's really good. Uh, we had a viewer question that I would love to address to Dr. Shaw. Um, he, the viewer is wondering, how big of a delay would you say is between research and information on social media. What do you think? I think this is one of the most exciting things about Twitter um, because when you follow a lot of people, well, like Matt Burns, um, who, who does a lot of work, what you see is that as soon as something is published, 
they'll tweet about it. And it's really good for the scholars because we don't often have access to every single article ever. And it's also great for clinicians to get on because you can see what's brand new. And so as soon as it's a publicly available, which is a problem with some journals, but with many, it's as soon as it's available, they will send you a link. And there's actually a secret hashtag that's not so secret that scholars use. And if you want an article that you can't get access to because you don't have a subscription or a university, mm. you're probably not supposed to do this, but I'll just tell you what people do. It, it's, 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 it's in the language of the lolcats. It's hashtag, <laughs> hashtag I can has PDF. <laughs> and, what that, and so you put the link to a, pa a paper on there that's brand new. You just heard about it, you, but you no way to get it because you don't have a subscription. So you hashtag I can has PDF. And what, what people on Twitter will do is people who do like university people, and I, they're probably not supposed to do this, but university people who have access to it will get you the PDF and they'll send it to you. And so it's, it's a great way to get articles as soon as they come out because it's in the author's interest to have as many people read their papers as possible. And uh, it is a fantastic, for me, it's one of the best because everybody I, every scholar I do, as soon as they have a paper come out, I would have no idea. Uh, but as soon as it comes out, boom, they put it on Twitter, they put a link to it, and I can access it. So it, social media makes it really fast to turn around from research to psych professors to clinicians. It really, it takes away all of that big giant barrier that has been there for years. So it's really one of the most exciting parts about social media use. That's hilarious. Wow, that's like the hottest tip that School Psych Podcast ever broadcast. <laughs> Like an underground training, uh, <laughs> like legal. I don't know. It's like school psych. <laughs> Sneaky. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Is there any fear of um, jumping the gun too much? Like you know, getting on board with the practice and spreading it out before the research has validated it. Like. Well, the advantage, and here's the big problem: if it's just somebody's wacky idea. Or here's what I tried in my school board. Yes, that's a big problem. But for the most part, what you want to look at is published research. And there are some problems. Published research doesn't often translate to real life. But it gives you ideas and nuggets and evidence-based practice. Because at the very least, it has to go through a peer review. Now, whether that's adequate, you know, who knows. But at least it's a peer review. Um, so I would say anything that's been published in a professional journal or even to some degree has been presented at a conference. Now, that's not always great. Uh, you'll have to use your judgment as a professional. But at least something that's been published, you know it has been gone th is gone through a peer review. So that's better than, you know, somebody used their idea someplace, which could be a wonderful idea. But it's, it's certainly not evidence-based. So it, judgment has to be used. That kind of leads into the next question is, how does social media help or hurt school psychologists? Because I think a lot of times we find a lot of stuff out there that's not necessarily evidence-based and we have to be careful about what we're sharing and what we're promoting. Am I right? Absolutely, yeah. Especially teacher, teachers pay teachers. I'm not sure if that's under the social media umbrella, but um, man, you can get a lot of stuff on there for free, which is nice, but no clue what's behind it as far as evidence. And then there's stuff you have to pay money for. And boy, that just feels wrong if there's not research base behind that. Pinterest yeah. too, there's just so much on there. It's so fun, but like you don't always have a link back to where it came from. Yeah. Sure. What do you guys think? I completely agree. And, you know, when you're on Teachers Pay Teachers, something looks very intriguing and you go ahead and you buy it and then you're looking at it like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just spent $10 on this that I'll never be able to use. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Teachers Pay Teachers, I'm, I'm always, I don't know, maybe I'm just, uh, some of the stuff that I look at that, like, um, school sites might put up, they might, like, 
sell a template or something. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, I, I, I guess I'm of the opinion that like just share, like you're not gonna get rich off of selling your templates. Like <laughs> just, let's just help each other out a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> That's, that's why we have a much less user-friendly um, Google Drive than Teachers Pay Teachers, but everything on there is just free to share because, like, yeah. yeah. Let's not argue over dollars. Let's support each other. Right. And we all know how, uh, how small school budgets can be and how we, you know, have to prioritize, um, you know, what we, what we need to purchase and, um, some things that are just helpful, but not necessarily, uh, you know, worth taking away from your budget. Um, should I think we should share as much as we can. I love the Google Drive. Another hot tip for those of you guys who don't know it. <laughs> if you go to Schools Like Podcast page on Facebook and go look under Impressum, you'll find the link for our shared resource drive. And we ask, too, if you can... Please share something that's helpful or useful to you that um, might that someone else might find um, useful. Take is take copy and take whatever is helpful and add at least one thing. And we have a really nice collection um, by now. Yeah, I, I steal a lot of the stuff that I put into the Google Drive. Rebecca comes from your page that you're sharing because you're like a resource sharing machine. You're just constantly. <laughs> And sincerely, too, a lot of yourself, I'm like, oh, that's a fun link. I'm going to add it. <laughs> and that's funny. I just called you sincerely, but <laughs> not using your name. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to, like, tweet and do everything all at once, and I'm just not, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, sorry. We're testing our executive functioning skills tonight. Exactly. All exactly. by the, the Twitter chat and, yeah. <laughs> Plus the Google thing, we've got some people chatting it up um, in our little Google sidebar. So, hi guys. Yeah. <laughs> Jane, I think um, some people already touched on this, but you know, since my page is public, I really have to, and I'm sure you do too, Rebecca, weigh how your posts and your comments to the posts affect the profession. And you said that you kind of monitor those comments on your posts just to make sure they're appropriate. And yes. there have been times, I mean, I'll admit that I myself or the readers of my page have shared maybe frustrations about situations or teachers or parents that in hindsight might not reflect the best on our profession. And sometimes I'm called out for that and, and apologize. And sometimes, you know, I kind of self-edit. Yeah. And sometimes those things, even if our intentions aren't bad, they can be misinterpreted by the public. And because it's a public page, we just have to always be mindful of that. So it's a balancing act between you know, allowing readers to freely express their own experiences, which can be very therapeutic, like I said, in this stressful profession. But we also have to balance that with the importance of promoting our profession in a positive light. Absolutely. And more and more, I find that I have a lot of parents who follow my page. And so it's really important to me that parents understand how dedicated we all are. And even if there is like a funny meme about, you know, uh, the teacher who is angry because you send the uh, child back with a, a the starburst or whatever, <laughs> um, that, that we are expressing our frustration, but we are, are um, so passionate about the work we do and um, dedicated to kids and teachers and parents alike. So I, I do, I take that as seriously as I can, and I, I try to, as much as I, um, I like to make room for some, uh, you know, venting or, or, or discussion about what's frustrating in order to try to find ways to make that better for each other. Um, uh, the, the overall message about our field and, and what we do every day, I try to keep that um, as positive as I can because I, I really truly believe that it is. I, I think that. School psychologists are awesome. <laughs> and I haven't met one yet that I don't like. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> I, can't, I can't relate. No, um, no we're awesome. <laughs> occasional colleague who books me. Um, but okay, I have, two, I have two other hurts for this topic. One is people consulting in a public type forum and sharing too much information and other people giving answers based on just numbers and not knowing a kid, you know, like that, 
sometimes that stuff, um, consulting online can help, but also like if you don't know the kid, you don't know all the circumstances, it's hard to really be able to help. Um, and there, there can be, I think, lines crossed. Um, the other thing is there's some like trolls out there and some haters. So, um, so Steve or Sue, um, what have you noticed? Like, have you had to block people? Has there been some like nastiness going on out there? Oh, you want to go ahead, Sue? Well, you know, just, I don't know how much to share. Around the election and our new um, leader of, in the Department of Education, you know, I did share some frustrations about that choice. And the things that are shared more widely from my page definitely get a lot more attention. And there were um, some very nasty comments that, um, came about at that time of the year when all of that was going down. And I, you know, like you, Rebecca, I have to really watch those comments and, you know, block or delete the ones that are completely, um, not only unprofessional, these people aren't even in our profession. They're just out there to, um, to, you know, cause a, cause a wave, I guess. Mm -hmm. What about you, Dr. Shaw? Yeah, I've got a lot of, uh, um, well, first of all, people who sell things, they're trying to sell you something, so they get blocked. Um, there's also, I don't get that many real evil trolls, but I do get, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that happens, but I don't get too many. I do have to, on the Facebook forum, I mean, Dan, Dan uh, does most of the monitoring of it now, uh, but when I did, I would have to remind people just of ethics, of, you know, not giving advice when you don't know the case, which is an ethical problem, mm -hmm. um, not giving too much identifying information, because sometimes you can, it's pretty close to identifying information is given. Mm -hmm. um, and you just get inappropriate things being said. Uh, it, it happens a lot. So I, I, I routinely block people. The political stuff, it definitely comes through, but I have a different kind of account because as a professor, frankly, I have a lot more leeway than I did as a clinician um, because you you have a different, it's a different role, different role and function. So I don't mind a little bit of political stuff, but when it just gets ugly, you have to turn it down and, you know, but, but people selling things, I think is one of the biggest ones. I think that's the nature of Twitter. Um, that you will get folks trying to sell you something. Uh, my favorite is I get advertisements all the time when they find out I run a, what we call at McGill, a lab. Well, people are trying to sell me viruses all the time. And I think, I'm a psychology lab. This is how you get supervillains right here. You, send, <laughs> you, you sell viruses to a psychology lab. That's a bad idea. Um, but uh, no, I, I just block anyone who's trying to sell, anyone who's inappropriate, because that's a big thing on Twitter. Um, but uh, it's the sales, the constant selling is the one that really gets me. I probably end up blocking someone maybe, I don't know, four or five times a week. Wow. I'm seeing some more action on Twitter, so I'm excited. Some more people doing yes. it. I think I may be fallen behind, but I just tweeted out, unless someone else did it for me, uh, question four, which is, what is your favorite, we, we've been talking about this, what is your favorite social media resource? Um, yeah, so I think we've kind of covered it, but sorry, I fell behind and didn't, didn't actually act tweet it. <laughs> oh, the conversation's been flowing naturally. Um, <laughs> I love YouTube, you know, because I mean, where our videos are on YouTube. But I did also hear that someone like was posting like tests, like being administered on YouTube. So there's also like the you know ethical issues that come up there, and people may be blocked sometimes. Um, so it's yeah. it's nice to watch videos and see things in action um, to really understand. Any other resources that you guys like out there, faves that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, for me, one oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, for me, one of the favorite parts that I that I like Twitter so much isn't that you post things, but that it's interactive, and mm -hmm. so it's really wonderful to have discussions. Um, um, helping a colleague who's really struggling, maybe maybe emotionally, maybe there's a, a a consultation case, but it's wonderful to have that. And if it gets personal and emotional, you can go off into direct messaging. So it doesn't have to be public. Mm -hmm. uh, but that interactive part where you're supporting colleagues, where you, it's, so it's not just here's some stuff, 
use it as you see fit. It's we can walk our we can walk ourselves through that, and we can talk about the problems of of doing it and the frustrations, and and so it's completely interactive. And that's that's one of my favorite things about it is it's kind of weird that I speak of some of these people as if they're personal friends that who have never met. And it's a very strange thing. I'm not used to that whole idea of personal friends, but I've never met these people, but you feel close to them, but you don't get carried away here that you want that to be your social life. But um, it is really nice just to be able to interact and support colleagues in a, in a real positive way and to, to really have that, that sort of active dynamic discussion. The one thing I also was thinking about is it's also about the content, but also how it's organized. So Twitter in itself um, is pretty intuitive in how you're able to search for different hashtags. But for people who may be interested in all different types of topics, so say if you talk about school climate, PBIS, um, MTSS, ESSA, like I know we have all these acronyms, but all these can um, hash are, are hashtagable. I don't know if that's an official word yet, but um, it, if you want to know, alert every since you see that ESSA, like we do a lot of following different hashtags, and I'm not a promotional pers person for this venue, but TweetDeck.com is a, one of my favorite ways to help organize because what you can do is you can organize um, the co uh, into columns. So I have a school climate column, I have a NAS Advocates column, which is the official um, hashtag for NAS. And I have different other ones that I follow, even for um, different Twitter chats, like LD, they have a uh, Twitter chat on Wednesday, so I follow different ones. So that's a great resource that can help organize to keep me on top of what is going out there on the things that are most important to me. And then I think um, we also had someone who was uh, tweeting from the airplane. Did someone else see that? <laughs> yes, now no. <laughs> Very cool. I want to I want to share Dr. Faustino, Peter Faustino shared an awesome quote and it says uh, on Twitter, it says, we don't have a choice on whether we do social media. The question is how well we do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a quote by Eric Qualman. I like that a lot. Um, What's the airplane tweet, Clem? <laughs> I think um, in his hashtag, he was tweeting from... Um, I think he's just flying into JFK because I think he was doing some professional development in Florida this weekend. Oh, yeah, that is Dr. Faustino. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> also, um, <laughs> stuff, um, from Florida. So, yeah, now he's but – but, again, it shows that he's not, quote-unquote, at home right now, but he had an opportunity to look at Twitter, see what's going on, hopped onto the Twitter chat, and was able to contribute. So, it's great. Awesome. Multitasking as we are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Clem, you mentioned how, you know, there's there's lots of different Twitter chats going on on Twitter at all different times. How would somebody find, um, you know, what's out there if they're like, hey, I want to do a Twitter chat tonight? How is their way, is their directory? <laughs> so there is a great website that I'll also post on Twitter so that folks can see it. Um, or you can also Google it. Um, it's just uh, educational Twitter chats, and it lists, there's like hundreds of them that occur. Um, some of them occur on a a weekly basis, some of them occur on a daily basis, and they happen at all different times. I would say the majority of them happens in the evenings because that's when folks are able to uh, kind of break away from the everyday things of school responsibilities and be able to engage in these types of conversations. But the magic part about that is that you're able to, you know, meet people who you may have not met before, and then what Steve was talking about, have this offline conversation. So oftentimes they'd be like, hey, really enjoyed your perspective on this or you jump on a Skype conversation or Google Hangout to discuss more. So I'll be um, sharing that as soon as um, we, we finish. <laughs> cool. And I just tweeted out question five. Um, how can we use social media to advocate for children and or promote the field? Thoughts, you guys? We've talked about a lot of this, I think, already. but We have. I think um, Sue's point about uh, promoting the profession and um, sharing all the positive things that happen um, among us, between us, uh, is really an important way to to use social media for good. That's a good point. Like the gift of working with kids is huge, and it should be that that should be the focus, not like the, the constant ranting that occasionally occurs. And people ask, like, "I'm thinking about joining the field. What do you think?" <laughs> it's not it's not very helpful. 
But another way that we can help students, I think, is just being tuned in. And I'm definitely not perfect at this, seeing as how I just signed up for Snapchat today. But, like, they're involved in all sorts of social media. And, like, they have a hard time turning their devices off and disconnecting. And that can be really hard um, and anxiety-provoking for them. Like, if they lose their phone or their iPad, it's like the end of the world. And, you know, the connection they have with social media is real. And just being able to understand their culture and their, like, their engagement with that is, is important. Sure. Yeah, I also see that it says, um, you know, I have followers, most of whom are not school psychologists. And so it really is a, uh, a positive thing to hear us having positive, almost really public discussions about school psychology. It, I have a lot of undergraduates who follow me. It's great to promote them, and they get to see what a school psychologist talks about uh, because most of the conversations are public, and they see the enthusiasm. They see the skills that it takes, and so it's, it's almost like we're, having the, we're airing this in public to a large degree, and the way we do it with enthusiasm, with, with a positive uh, aspect, with skill, they get to see what we do, and I think that promotes the profession a great deal. Get us out of our closet offices. <laughs> Clothes. <laughs> Hashtag clothes. I like. <laughs> we should have a clothes contest. Share a picture of your clothes and win a shout out. <laughs> Sounds amazing. If I ever get a clothes, I will engage. That's why I made that comment about like not always appreciating my colleagues is because I have to share a space with people. Like I don't have my own space and that's so hard. Yeah, that um. is. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll maybe look for a couple more answers um, as things are trickling in and, um, but kind of last call for questions and things. And then we're going to wrap up. I know that um, I think our next podcast is, wait, let me pull it up. <laughs> oh, Somewhere. Yeah, I've got it. Um, okay. June 4th, um, APA Early Career Work Group. We're going to talk about that. Um, and, oh, I just, uh, while it's in my mind, I guess, there's a, there's a shortage in the field. And in New York, it's not as bad. But, like, even where I work, there's been openings all year that have not been filled. So, like, people have had to be spread a little more thin and supporting kids and, like, doing what's right and stuff. But I think that's a part of the advocacy that, I guess, Needs to continue to grow is is like reaching out to the undergrads and some of those things I think I could do a better job of you know <laughs> just how do we yeah. get more people who are interested in the field and who have the it's so important and I think right right now tonight we have we have a professor we have uh, school psychologists we have a NASP um, uh, the face of NASP. And so we have a great variety of professionals that can share a little bit of a different perspective on the field. And I think that's so positive. I hope there are um, people out there considering graduate school or in graduate school that um, are excited and motivated by our conversation and, and reach out to us and continue this conversation on Twitter because those Q1 through 5 will still be out there and we'd still love to talk about it and hear from you and, and share with you. Mm -hmm. The best parts of the field, if you have the summers off, right? <laughs> So, yeah. Some of us, some yeah. Of us don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rachel. <laughs> Salt in the wound. <laughs> sorry. Well, I always think I think we're one of the easiest cells that there is because uh, we our, our our training works with children from day one. We have more of a preventative rather than a psychopathology type of focus. We uh, school psychologists generally per hour make more money than any other type of psychology except for industrial, um, which a lot of people don't believe that, but for, for PhD, it's true. Um, as well as it's one of the only professions where there's a huge shortage in clinicians, but also a huge shortage for academics too. Just you talk about the shortage that's all around the country and, and in Canada too, we have a shortage. But uh, professors, there's shortages there. University jobs are going unfilled and that's really unheard of nowadays. 
So uh, it's an easy sell. It's a great career. I've been doing it for, oh my God, uh, 31 years now. And uh, it's pretty amazing and I wouldn't change it. We got one final comment from a viewer. Kristen Johnson will be putting together a social media webinar on advocacy. Awesome, thank you. And um, Sue, Steve, and Clem, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We're out of time, so we're gonna sign off. Um, but thank you for joining us tonight and being part of this conversation and like helping me do my first tweet. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. much. And thanks to everyone out there and thanks to everyone on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. This has been so much fun. Shout right. out to Michael. We had a teacher tuning in tonight. <laughs> yes. Thank you for our teacher friends, Michael Donnelly. <laughs> no <laughs> He's kind of obligated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Night, everybody. <laughs>